0: And jumping into deal machine, you'll be able to go out there, start driving for dollars, start pulling lists, start finding the most motivated sellers in your market. And then you can start marketing to them directly. You can skip trace, you can send them postcards, you can knock on their door. There's a variety of things that we can help you out with using our technology. And then from there, you can actually evaluate the deals, you know, comp it, use our AI assistant to help you out there as well. I mean, really to get the full toolkit to go from you know having no real estate experience to landing your first deal using technology. So it's tomz.com slash deal machine for that free trial. With it, if you go through that link, you're going to get $30 free in marketing credits that cover a couple hundred free skip traces or 50 free postcards, give you everything that you need to start reaching out to sellers. So um, get out there and happy deal finding.
1: Endgame for me is like, trust me, I'm living my best life now, but you know, I can see 15 years out from now, where all that Roth money, is, I'm lending out, let's just say I'm lending out at 10%, that Roth money is gonna be making me, you know, over $500,000 a year. And it's making me a fair amount of money now, but I could just keep rolling it back in. It's growing tax-free. Yeah. So I want you to understand, when you have that Roth and you build that up, you know, you can't compound.
2: Real estate negotiation is a mystery to most people. It doesn't come naturally, and it isn't taught in school yet it's the key to getting what you want in business and life. If you're ready to learn the art and science of effective real estate negotiation and want to learn what it takes to become a successful real estate entrepreneur, then you're in the right place. This is the art and science of real estate negotiation with your host, founder of Traction Real Estate Mentors and president of the Traction Real Estate Investors Association, Tom Zeeb.
3: Welcome to the Art and Science of Real Estate Negotiation podcast with Tom Zeeb. On location today with Steve Lloyd. Hey, Steve.
1: Hey, how are you, Tom?
3: Awesome. Fabulous location you got here.
1: Yeah, I like living in Sarasota and I love living at Sarasota Yacht Club and I love living on my boat and I love chasing dolphins and sea rays and sharks and I have this pretty good life today, all from real estate, actually.
3: Interesting. So you live on the boat, you live on the yacht.
1: Yep. I live it on the boat. I never owned a boat, and I ended up my life kind of changed the beginning of COVID. I'm from Westchester, Pennsylvania, and I came down here. I had had real estate in West, Ch- I'm mean, in Sarasota on Siesta Key vacation rentals, and we had done some work to one. So I decided to come down here for ten days, and it just so happened is the seventh day of me being here, we went into COVID lockdown. So nice. you know it was kind of strange. I wasn't in Siesta Key a lot. I had other people managing the properties, but Everyone's like, you know, you fly, you're going to die. So I decided to stay and, you know, it, it changed my life. Unfortunately, COVID was a really bad thing for a lot of people, but for me, you know, being stuck here on an island and there wasn't many people and, you know, it's considered the number one beach in the whole United States and the white sand and just, you know, the great people from the Midwest, I had no people from New York, Philadelphia, Washington with their little tiny attitudes and book. I have an attitude.
3: I'm I'm a a New Yorker. I was dealing
1: with really nice (laughs) people and nobody would call me an asshole and everyone was going to give me apple pie. So I literally only knew two people when I got stuck here. And after like five weeks, you know, it was just, you know, I worked so hard to build my real estate portfolio and I worked so hard as a 20 and a 30 and a 40 year old. I was that guy that enough is I'm never going to have enough. And, you know, wanted to be worth a hundred million dollars and You know, a billion dollars worth of real estate. You know that young testosterone in the thirties. Are and uh, that kind of calmed me down. And uh, I decided to stay after five weeks. I just made my decision. I needed my life to change and get out of the real estate rat race, which I still buy. You know, big apartment buildings. We usually don't buy anything less than thirty or forty million. But it was time for a change. I ended up losing like sixty pounds and uh, bought a bike and created a life here. And flew back in September of that year when cases came down and uh, got everything in my house. I gave everything away to Goodwill. My employees came and helped me and uh, literally sold my house in a day because they started to rise, the real estate started rising. I literally drove back in my car, packed a couple things, brought the cross that my mom passed away with. And uh, I brought that cross and that was it, some belongings and I started a new life and started to meet people (laughs) and it's kind of crazy. I was looking for a house on the intercoastal, but I didn't want a big house. I was single at the time. And uh, just the houses are just too big on the intercoastal. They're building these four these mansions and just wasn't for me. And I never owned a boat, never owned wave runners, never owned anything. Apparatuses on the water. And uh, I saw an ad for the Fort Lauderdale boat show about a year after I was stuck here and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to live on a boat. So I called <laughs> my buddy and talked to a bunch of people about it. They all told me I was absolutely crazy. I heard a stupid saying 3000 times the best day. Is when you buy a boat, is yeah, when you sell whatever. a boat and all the bullshit. I'm like, you know, I wanted to create a new lifestyle. And I sold a big portion of my real estate and I went to Fort Lauderdale boat show. And I came back with a 52-foot Horizon Motorcat, And then all my friends started coming. No one could get their hair. And I put some on social media. If anyone will come, anyone give me a haircut. Well, I'll nobody get... would
3: cut your hair during COVID. Yeah, nobody everything was, was sh- we were in lo- <laughs>
1: We were shut down. Every, yeah. We couldn't get our hair cut. So I said, I'm just kidding around on social media. I've a following and. I said, if anyone will come cut my hair, I'll give you two nights in one of my properties, which I had eight units next thing. And I had 30, 40 people here. And that's where the name of my boat, my one boat, I actually have two now. One's called my best life. The other boat is called our best life. But at that moment at like 52 years old, I just said, you know what? I'm going to live my best life and do real estate. And I got literally rid of a lot of friends, a lot of friends through all the internet stuff during COVID, all the stuff going back and forth and Oh. I was in Marina Jacks, and then a slip came up at the Sarasota Yacht Club, a real prestigious club on the Gulf of Mexico. And it's one of the elite club marinas in Florida. And about two months ago, the guy called me, said, I got a double slip in the middle of the marina. Do you want it? And I said, absolutely. I'm in. So This is where I am now. <laughs> I'm right, having Steve, the time of my life. Lots to unpack and all of that. Yeah. So
3: a couple of things. I've heard you say it before, that you said your 50s is where it's at. So yeah. you're talking a major upheaval, life change at 52, yeah. but dream come true. I mean, how many people always talk about wanting to live on a boat, dreaming about living on a boat, but it's usually a downgrade in the lifestyle to live on a boat rather than an upgrade yeah. to larger than most apartments. So what else goes behind that? I mean, how is it possible? Not just because the circumstances that happened, you saw the opportunity. How were you able to make it happen? In real estate.
1: You know, I think all your wealth is the better, you know, what you need to do in your 20s and 30s and 40s. And I think this is really important. You know, I owned a pizza shop and I was a union truck driver, but I saved in my 401k in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. And I hear this today and just, you know, so many people, you know, that are like 28 and 30 years old and 32 and 33. And I got 30 more years to retire and they dump all their money into their entrepreneurs, they dump all their money into their business and all their money into the real estate. But as you know, if you have just a business, if you're just not talking real estate, you're dumping it in the biggest tax bucket hole you'll ever have. So one of the things that I did was I really saved 20 to 30% of my income that whole time. It's okay to do real estate. I mean, that's my core. That's where I made millions and became extremely wealthy but i've always had a vanguard account i've always done the s&p 500 i'm not a guy that tries to pick stocks and i'm just a Warren buffett i've done the s&p 500 you know carl fisher from camaplan you know taught me a lot about self directed ira so about 38 or 39 i started moving my 401k money that was at my company i moved it over to a self directed ira company which is carl company and then i started lending capital with it and i've been building that up And I really concentrate at it on my savings. You know, what I want you to understand is in your 20s and your late 20s, your 30s and your 40s, you're creating what you want in your 50s and 60s. You can go screw off and go on trips and do what you know. I'm not saying not to live good, but the struggle was hard. Like I was two and a half million dollars in debt when I was 41 years old. It was absolutely atrocious. But I still had that savings and I still had that IRA money that if I was going under, that wasn't going under with me.
3: So things that started the tank for you personally. Yeah. It wasn't all. No, it hasn't been yachts all your life. You're, no. not, you're no, not born no, with the no, super no, splinter. No. You're a
1: truck driver. Yeah. And so I was a union truck, union truck driver. Yeah. Gotcha. It was. We, that we, part we, we made a lot of money. Oh, sure. Yeah. And yet. And I had the pizza shop and the pizza shop. But and everything went. You bust. Well, no, I mean that at 41, I was, can't talk too much about it, but I had a really bad person in my life that was uh, taking money from me and uh, I can't go in the details, but it actually, you know, that person left and it actually left me two and a half million dollars in debt. Um, And uh, I was actually third away, third, about 30 way, 30 days away from default. And, uh, you know, an investor that I had paid him back on a bunch of deals. He called me and wanted to invest more money with me, but I had lunch with him and I told him the story. I told him I was going under and I was defaulting to about, you know, about 13 investors and to, you know, the banks. And uh, he asked me, we sat there for three hours. He couldn't believe what was going on because he actually really liked me and respected me. And uh, he asked me, you know, how much would it take to get me to even and get a restart? Because... I was, I mean, there was three months where I didn't even get out of bed. It was absolutely atrocious what was going on in my life and so depressed. And, you know, you try to build something and it's taken away from you kind of, but I got to take responsibility because I chose the person to be in my life. And uh, this person called Kerry, my business partner at Stone Bay Holdings. And he says, I'd like to stop by. This was two weeks later. And he brought a check for $1.5 million. (laughs) Absolutely crazy, insane. And that reignited my real estate portfolio, we did all the right things with the money. So it's about implanting things in your life and implanting your real estate for 10 and 15 and 20 years from now. I see all these guys that are wholesaling and flipping properties. That's a W-2 income job to me. You know, yes. you're not creating wealth. You're If you're flipping properties and wholesaling, that money is in the worst tax bracket that you possibly can. You know, I think there needs to be balance and I don't want to get off track because I do get off track all the way a lot. But, you know, I think there needs to be a balance. You know, I've taught a lot of guys that, you know, the wealth is created by the real estate you hold because, you know, the the flipping, you're paying the highest taxes because it's all short-term capital gains. It's not long. There's no tax benefits to it. So I'd say everything in life is balanced, right? So maybe flip two, wholesale two and keep one. You got to build up that real estate portfolio over time. And that's a mistake. I was holding too much at one time rather than, you know, holding three and selling one. I was equity rich, but I was poor in the bank. I didn't have very much money. And it really made if I would have just sold a property and made 30, 40 grand and have it in the bank, you know. Yeah.
3: So that, that you went out of balance in the other direction. So about flipping too other, much yeah. and holding nothing, you were holding too much and flipping was, nothing. Yep. So there
1: was no yep. like a raw income. And then later, I learned the balance, you know. But you know, yeah, I mean, I, everything is balanced. That's why I want you to own properties. I want you to wholesale one. I want you to learn how to raise capital. If the banks aren't lending, this is we're coming into a time where it's really tough to get loans. You know, learn. You know, there's plenty of places now where you can go and be taught how to raise capital and how to secure people the right way. And you got to have that toolbox when things get tough. Things are, I believe that. Things are going to be tough next year. I think they're going to be tough over the next two years. So, but when the banks stop lending, you have to have a place to be able to do your rehabs and your funding and to get to somebody that teaches how to raise capital. I don't think anyone wants to call me because I'm expensive as shit. <laughs> I won't be cheap. So you'd have maybe call somebody else. But you know, learning how to raise capital was the turning point for me because I got in the real estate in 2004. We had the crash around 2006. And, more perfect timing. Yeah, Absolutely it was perfect more perfect timing. timing. And uh, the banks would not lend money. And I had a good friend that was flipping houses on credit card. They were $60,000 properties. And he would take his credit card and, and purchase the property. And he used another credit card, 20 grand to rehab the property. Then he got his tenants in there. And then he went to the bank because he had a tenant in there, his cash flowing. And he'd refi, get a permanent loan, and he'd pay off his credit cards. Why? Well, I just took that to a different level of, uh, you know, I just... Learned how to, I just kind of mimicked and copied, plagiarized, you want to call it, <laughs> what you know, a commercial loan banks were doing. And I was letting people use that, you know, commercial paperwork on me, personal guarantees. You do it all the right way. You protect your investors. You make sure they get paid on time. You make sure they, you pay them monthly, you know? And if and that's kind of where I got my reputation. I grew a huge investor base over the years. So now when I have a problem, I don't need a bank. I very, except for my big apartment buildings. Yes. you know when I'm purchasing a thirty, forty, fifty, sixty million dollar apartment building, they're really uh, they're bank financed, and we got to raise equity for the rehab and things like that, operating costs. But you know when I buy, you know I still buy five hundred million dollar properties sometimes. Maybe it, I might you know maybe two million or something. But normally we pay cash for them, or we go privately for the money instead of trying to go to a bank because. Look, as well as I done, I mean, I just went to get a loan on Lido and they're looking at my finances and they're just like, you don't have enough W-2 income. (laughs) I'm like, you out of your freaking mind? I'm like, I got crazy money in my Roth 401k. I got great money in the bank.
3: And they're telling me I don't have enough W-2 income. Banks can only think about things one way and
1: it's not. It was, it was I was sitting there looking at this guy. I'm like, <laughs> you are like take a personal guarantee from me. You can take my life, but they can't take personal guarantees on lending money to a condo, right? They can only take the property. Interesting. So, you know, that's kind of, I'll just tell you, you know, one thing that one moment in my life where there's so many different times, right? But we'll get into gratitude and in your five-year outlook um, a little later, but. You know, when I got in the real estate, I got to like my sixth or seventh property. And I was sitting there one night and I'm thinking, husband and wife are both getting up and going to work. I don't know them, right? They signed a lease. I don't know, met them once and they're going, both of them are getting to work. So I got say eight properties. I got 16 people to get up, to go to work, to their W income job. And at the end of the month, they're paying for my debt. They're creating my wealth. And that was like a change that I can't even, I remember it, you know, it was, you know, I got in the real estate in 2004. So that was probably 2006 where I had that. I was just, and that just blew me away of thinking that 16 people get up for me every single day to pay my debt. And I go, you know, I want a hundred people to get up for me every day. I want 200, I want 500. And today so, like, i like, like, I don't know. I probably have 6,000 people to get up to go to work, to pay for all to my pay debts your right? rent,
3: which is effectively your debt. So it's pay everyone else, you're price. leveraged out having other people work their jobs, run their lives to pay your rent, which is paying off your debt, yeah. which is creating your wealth.
1: Yeah, crazy. And just- <laughs> that moment that night was kind of like when that light bulb went off and said, I'm going all in, man, I'm going all in. And then, you know, I see a lot of people stay stagnant in real estate. They just, and it's okay. You can own, to me, you have to keep progressing. You have to better yourself, you know, physically, mentally with your real estate. You have to go to these real estate meetings and learn and network. You know, there's so many times where, you know, I've been to Tony Robbins five or six times and I'm going for Tony, but it's the people in the room that are going to change your life that you can network and do business with. That's when people call me. I tell them to get to a real estate meeting, go meet people, you know, go tell them what, ask them how they did it. And you need that. You always hear this. You need the team. You need education on what you're going to do, and uh, it's worked out because I didn't have the right partners 16 years ago. But I'm telling you right now, I got the right partners. Kerry Fakes is my partner in Stone Bay Holdings, and I got Chip Lever and Brian Adams, and you know Jason Scott is huge at Bigger Pockets. I'd like pinch myself since so the partners that I have. But you know that's another weed out process. You know, make sure that you guys, when you do partnerships. You know, it's called fair exchange, and you have to be on the same page with your partner. And I tell everyone that's 30 years old, they call me up and they're like, man, I got a partner, and me and him are going to buy and hold properties. I'm like, oh, man, you're just so screwed. And you're like, I love this guy, and he loves me. I'm <laughs> like, you're so screwed. That might be the problem. Like, <laughs> so, uh, Because so, life changes every five or six years.
3: Easily. Yeah. Which people don't realize when you've only had a few five or six-year cycles as yeah. an adult. So what should one look for in terms of building a team or getting the right partners together? What's your process? What words of wisdom do you have now that you've you've done it successfully and been through many cycles?
1: It can't just be, you know, look, I've made this mistakes, you know, 14 years ago, it was, you know, it was about making money. I was an immature investor, it was about making money. But, you know, today it's a very rigorous process to be partners with me. It's almost like, just like, you know, it's, I'll call it an interview, but I have to see what his goals are, you know, where he wants to be not in a month or two months or in five months, where he wants to be in five years, right? Because, you know, if you do some partnerships and you own five or 10 properties and you start building that equity, you got to make sure you have the agreement in five years. You're not going to want to sell the whole portfolio or I want to, you're going to, it's really hard being partners. It's yeah. difficult. I am the luckiest guy in the world to have Kerry Fakes as my partner because not always agree, God help me, We can God help her. We don't always (laughs) agree, but we know what the future holds for us. And we don't always look out of what we're talking about today. We're looking at what the end result is, you know, five to 10 years from now. But, you know, it's character. What are their ethics? Do they want to give the charity? You know, you're looking for that special person. And if it's the whole talk is about money, it's about creating a culture, right? I can tell you this, you know me pretty well. I've created the culture in my companies and, you know, my businesses I've created a culture with my investors. I've created a culture with my friends and the environment that I live in. You know, we just went to the Bahamas for a month. I had 25 people fly down and they're going to be the, the nicest people you ever want to meet. And if I have someone that doesn't fit into that business plan or that entrepreneurship that I'm looking for, don't force anything. Don't force anything. Get me all pumped up. I know. Tom, you're getting me I pumped know. up. I'm getting warmed
3: up. What would you have done different? Go back and talk to the Steve oh, of man. 10, 20 years ago. Go and talk to Steve of half your age. Talk to a 20, mm. late 20s, <laughs> year old Steve.
1: You know, it, that's a, I get that a lot. I, you know, I hear people say it, but I think that, you know, if you work hard and you get up every day and you do the right thing when no one's looking, that's, that's my reputation. You got to go through the hard knocks. You got to go through the problems. I think I would have definitely got in the multifamilies a lot faster. I think I held, I stayed into the, uh, the single family world a little too long. I really didn't get in the multifamilies in, what are we in 2000? I don't even know what year it is anymore. 2023. I probably got in the multifamilies about 2000, late 17, 18. Okay. And I would have probably got in apartment buildings. I own apartment buildings and mobile home parks and apartment buildings, Someone student housing campuses. I would have definitely got to multifamily faster. Faster. Yeah, because, you know, if you own 10 properties and you raise the rent, you know, $50, you know, your properties just went up maybe 40 grand. But, you know, one of the apartment buildings I own today is 970 units. And when you own, when you raise the rent $50 on 970 units, well, your apartment building just went up $6 million.
2: It's, so, bad.
1: and most people don't know the tax benefits are a lot better on apartment buildings than they are our single families or the small multis. So I would recommend anybody to, you know, but I also know people that own 150 single family units or are pretty wealthy and they're all paid off and they started when they were 21 years old, you know. So it's customizing it for you, for what you're after. Like, I mean, if you're interviewing
3: partners saying, what do you want five years out, 10 years out? Yeah, It's the same idea, which I think people need to stop and think about. Where are you at today? What do you want to be doing? Is it multi-units? Is it something different? But it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it achieves the goal. You want to live. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what it is.
1: is. I mean, it has to be like, look, I, you know, my partners that I buy apartment buildings with, they fully understand that I'm not going around the country chasing properties. I'm not doing it. It's just not what I'm good at, right? Well, there's a, we'll come back to what (laughs) I'm not good at, right? So what I am good is at raising capital. Okay. So when they find an apartment building, they call me and they go, hey, we need X amount of hours, and we'll give you X amount percentage of the back end. Usually, our apartment buildings are 60-40 split, so I get a nice piece of the back end. But they know that they can't say to me a year later, you know, you didn't go to the property and evaluate the property and go through the units with us, and you shouldn't get as much money. No. I tell people straight up, I'm only good for one thing, right? I'm only good for money, and that's it. Gotcha. I don't want to go evaluate properties, but You know, that's where you have to make sure everyone's on the same page because I believe that it's fair exchange, right? And that's, you just have to get everything on the table, exactly whose roles, who's doing what in the company, what are your responsibilities? Carrie Fakes knows exactly what her roles and responsibilities are. And I know exactly what my roles and responsibilities are, and, they, and responsibilities are, and they really don't change.
3: And you're focusing on your strengths, not your weaknesses. She's yep, focusing on her strengths, yep. not her weaknesses. Carrie so is, is, is
1: amazing there. at the accounting, the tax returns, the K ones, all the shit that I you don't want to deal with. <laughs> but you know, when an asset comes up, and you know, and, I have about thirteen strategic partners today that I do business with, and the strategic partner is. That person that goes and finds assets and then they call me and they go, Hey, do you want to do this deal? So I only deal with about 13 people, but uh, you know, we were. You talk about
3: building out the team while you're strong at raising money, but you leave the other. So I don't get it. Right. I'm sorry.
1: I got a little off track there. Um, You know, Kerry is everybody that we hire in our company. What is your strength? What are you here for? What are you good at? What do you love to do? That is one of the questions that Kerry asks. If you're in this company, what would you love to do for this company? So, and they just can't say everything, you know, when they get the specific, whether it's bookkeeping and the accounting yeah. part or just a general administrator, you know, we had a girl that she was amazing. She was just goes, I love administration work. I want to be your assistant. Awesome. I don't want to do accounting and bookkeeping and all these other things, but, and she was really good at what she do, but she, we, under that was a little crazy. We would have interviewed about 33 people that time. She was a 30th, 30, 33rd or 34th person. And she goes, I love being an administrative this assistant. And then she got the job done.
3: Nothing wrong with knowing your place. Yeah. What you're good at, and what you're not. Oh, that's something you wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, you're good at raising money, you're good at doing real estate deals, good at being excited. What are you not good at,
1: Steve? I'm not good at the accounting. I'm not good at evaluating deals. Oh, interesting. You'll raise the money for the deal, but not evaluate it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, we, I mean, I look at, we go through them, but it's not my real strong point. Mine's raising capital, man. Mine's raising capital and making money on my money. I am very good at structuring note deals. I'm very good at lending capital. I'm very good at structuring what I think we deserve in a deal, right? So I have superpower strengths. I'm really good with people. I'm really good with my investors. Man, for a second there, I didn't think I was worth anything. But <laughs> not I'm, I'm really see- good at for- sitting with people and talking to them. And I can read somebody, whether they're an asshole, within three minutes or you know. if we're going to be a partner or we're not, right? Yeah. So
3: the reason why you're good at that is this reading of people. Other tells that you're looking for? other
1: things that pop up, patterns you've seen? Yeah, I mean, not everybody fits in what your goals are and what your future looks like. I mean, I turn investors away. If they don't, I go, what are you looking for? It's almost today, it's almost like an interview, right? I don't, you know, hmm. we've been doing this a long time, so it's not like I'm looking for investors, but when I do have one that comes to me, I actually really interview them and I tell them what our company is about and what we're doing. And it's almost like, I really am. I want to make sure that, you know, what they're looking for meets what they're looking for in their investment goals. I've had a couple people, they were a little arrogant, they were a little cocky, they were a little like, I'd like to have more of a return and I'm setting my ways and it's this or it's nothing, you know, I'm not for everybody, right? Every relationship's not for everybody. So that's, you know, what we have to realize. And I'm really good at self-directed IRAs and it really benefits Kerry and I of structuring deals with our self-directed IRA. And, you know, look, I just, this is probably, to me, there's many things that I know and I could talk about, but, you know, I really hope in your late 20s and your 30s, you are maxing out that self-directed 401k. If you don't have enough money to, you kind of need some money to move it over to self-direction. But I'm just, let's get to the point. I can tell you today, my wealth is repetitive wealth, is... I keep getting paid over and over of that mailbox money. I'm really good at the notes. But what I want to explain to you is people don't understand. I always go, you know, start saving, start putting in that rock, But it's 30 years away. That's okay, though. (laughs) Because when you make, there's a big difference. If you can save up that money to get to, you know, 50 grand, 100 grand, 200 grand, you know, when you're making 10% on 100, you make 10,000 a year. But if you can get it to 200, you're making 20 grand. If you get it to 300, you're making 30 grand, but you can also, if you structure your 401k right, whether you have employees, you don't have employees, there's no, there's limits to everything. But I'm telling you, it's something that I focused on the past 30 years. My my Roth, I had a traditional for a while. I moved it to the Roth about 10 years ago. My money's all Roth. I'm telling you, I make crazy money on the interest. And you know, the end game for me is like, trust me, I'm living my best life now, but you know, I can see fifteen years out from now where all that Roth money is I'm lending out, let's just say I'm lending out at ten percent. that Roth money is going to be making me you know over five hundred thousand dollars a year and it's making me a fair amount of money now, but I could just keep rolling it back in. It's growing tax free. yeah, so I want you to understand when you have that Roth and you build that up, you know you can't compound I mean, come on, rule seventy two And compound, just look at those calculators. You have to, it's so important to me. I'm a whack job, man.
3: So let's- I pull out my
1: compound interest calculator all the time and I'm going over my money.
3: Let's talk about both of them. Start with rule 72 for anyone that's not- Yeah, rule
1: 72, you just divide it and it gives you how much money you have and what they just Google it. And it gives you, it'll tell you how, you know, you're getting a certain rate of return. It'll tell me how many years you'll double your money.
3: So- Rule 72, how long does it take to double your money? And you should be focusing on things that double- uh, Yeah, I mean, look, you
1: know, look, people are going to give you this far shit, but you know, every seven to eight years, you can double your money. So, look, if you got a, you know, if you got two million bucks, just if you're doing the right thing with your money and you're getting nine to ten percent, you're going to have four million bucks, right, in seven years. But just think about all the money you're going to make in between. You're going to be at eight million. But I'm telling you, it's one of the, you know, being fifty-five. It is one of the most important things. I you can talk to Carrie, you can talk to my friends. I bring it up all the time. But you have to grow it for it to make money on itself and to be able to compound. So I hope everyone takes every time they get paid, they put that money in that 401K. And if you're in your 20s, 30s and 40s, I hope you have a million, million and a half in there, where you're making 150,000 a year in a roth where that 150,000 dollars you made, you will never have to pay taxes on that. Never. And when, you, when that really starts building up, if you take a compound interest calculator, like eight, nine, 10 percent. And say you have a fair amount of money in there. Watch when it really starts to grow. It's sixty because it's compounding, and now it's like you're making two, three hundred thousand dollars a year.
3: There's an inflection point where, yeah. when you look at the calculator. Yeah, where look things at this. Yeah, now.
1: look at you know go fifteen years out if you want with a compound interest calculator, and you'll see it growing, and then you just it just explodes because if you got eight hundred grand, you're making eighty, but if you got one point two million, you're making one hundred twenty thousand. And then, if you got a four hundred one k, you do it right. You're adding thirty five thousand a year.
3: And this is to put a point on it as well. This is on top of everything else. This is separate it's from your side commercial investment, separate from your apartment buildings. Literally, side money. So earning money on the money, not anything tax extra. free. Tax free on top of it all. No
1: taxes. It is like the one of you know, beautiful. Don't give me all the insurance policies with your bullshit comments. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you. can Go do your insurance policies. You can tell. me You can pay that insurance agent. But everyone has different. I don't have any children, unfortunately. You might have an insurance policy with a whole life. I don't know. Sure but right. for me, being single with no kids, unfortunately, you know, it's a Roth 401k. And I know in the next eight years, I will be able to take four to five hundred thousand dollars a year completely tax free.
3: Coming out of that account, account to totally tax because you spent the time
1: building it yep. now. And if, right. And if you don't like that self-directed IRA, go find a product that will grow tax-free. And even when you pull it out, it's tax-free. Yeah. So, you know, I know some guys are going to make comments and say, oh, I got this insurance policy and I can borrow off my own money and I can borrow for two and 3%. And, you know, that's great, great for you, but it's not for me. Gotcha. You have. I, have different... I know a lot of insurance agents playing golf today. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it's a I mean, gravy. You know, look, there's no fees. I mean, I got like a four hundred dollar fee a year and a transaction fee of like hundred fifty bucks on a lot of money. It's peanuts. You know, if you go to Vanguard or some of these other places, you know, you got a million bucks. You're paying, you know, one percent. You're paying, you know, ten to fifteen thousand a year. Put that out over. Compound that over. Out over. You just get me going. Get me all pumped up, Tom. <laughs> Compound that out over 10, 15 years. Yeah, it's 150, grand. You're paying in fees. Of your own, of what could have been your own money in hell,
3: right? If you used a different structure yeah. of self-directed IRA. Yeah, structure. look,
1: if you're flipping properties, you're, you can do assignments with your Roth IRA with, through your self-directed IRA. There's just so many different things. It's the greatest thing about real estate, man. You know, you might interview somebody else, Tom, and he's got all these other great ideas. We all different have ideas. It's what fits better for you. You know, when you get the five or 10 properties, maybe you don't want to manage them. maybe you want a property management company. Yep. I never wanted to manage my shit. I got too much stuff now. I don't so. blame you. Yeah.
3: Right. And now you, you get to the point where you can't, you don't want to anyway. Yeah. And that's personality driven. Yeah. That's what I think a lot of people miss too. Is it's what like, I want. Well, do I do this? Do I do that? There's something for everybody in real estate. There is. Every personality type and every want and every desire and every potential outcome, you got to figure out what it is for you so that it gets down to that. Yeah. Interesting. So Phoenix from the flames, you burned down at one point and rose out of your own ashes, basically. I did. With the help the of stories, a fellow
1: that- um, Look, everyone's got a story. It's learning the willing not to give up. This, any entrepreneur has challenges and crying moments <laughs> I said crying, not trying. They're definitely Uh, crying moments. Crying with the C. But, you know, look, I just always, the belief systems that I have, what's been installed with me, some by Tony Robbins, I bring Tony up a lot. But just the belief in myself and knowing that you have to get through these files, these fires and these trials that challenge you to your core. I've been challenged to my core. And that's why a big, Part of my morning routine is looking out five years where I want to be in five years. What do I want to be doing? You know, I'm 55. I think I check out around 82 or 83. We were laughing about this, but (laughs) you look for a male, white male is going to die around 83. So I'm trying to live my best life now, but, you know, don't give up. Find that accountability partner when things get tough that you can talk to, you can call to, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. As long as you always do the right thing when no one's looking. When you do get in out, there will be people there to help you. I'm living proof. I feel that I don't bullshit anybody. Tom knows. You come and ask me and straight I'll true. tell you straight up, whether it's right <laughs> or wrong, or I'll tell you how I feel about it. I might not even be right about it, but I'll tell you how I feel about it. But it takes a long time to build a real estate portfolio. And one thing that we were talking about earlier before the interview started you know, we started talking about a little bit of negotiation. Yes. And, you know, I'm kind of weird. I don't do, I either, I put in an offer and that's my number. I usually don't go up or down or, but I want, you know, some of the mistakes that I made and I see people make today. And I made these mistakes when we were properties in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, were in the hundred thousand dollar range property be up for, you know, a hundred grand. And I'd be like, I want that property for 90. I want that property for 85. I want that property. I was so Gung ho on trying to get that person down as much as I can. And you know what? I realized all I need is real estate assets. So if that property, big mistake I made, if that property was 100 grand, you know what? Yeah, you should get something off it. If you're going to keep, if your objective is to keep that property for 10 or 15 years, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether you pay 92, 94, or 97 for that property, because 15 to 20 years from now, that property is going to be worth 160,000. You don't want to lose it in a bidding situation, in a bidding war where someone ends up paying, you know, 97 and you offer 96. What was the point? What was the point? Because 15 years from now, it doesn't matter. Build assets, the ability to tax benefit for your life. But I mean, today I'm probably part of, you know, I think it's somewhere in the, 350 to $400 million worth of assets. It's huge. And, you know, I'm not buying as much as I used to, but well, I talk out, but we did. (laughs) We are buying a lot, (laughs) lot, but just keep buying, you know, keep it organized, get a great bookkeeper. I mean, when I started out, you know, I didn't know accounting. I did not want to know the bank statements and do all that bullshit. I hated (laughs) it, right? I went and got an amazing, well, first it was a bookkeeper and then Kerry became my partner, which who knew accounting, but before Kerry, I just had a, I knew the first thing I had to hire a decent bookkeeper because you got to keep the whole foundation straight with your taxes and your K-1s and knowing that when you sell a property and you make 50, you better believe that 40% of that money is going to the government if you're flipping and wholesaling. A little different when you're buying and holding, but the tax benefits that you can create are just amazing. It, people come and they talk to me and they ask me everything that I do and they go, wow, you make it sound so simple. (laughs) And I'm like, it's hard, but it's simple. When someone comes to me and they go, we got this deal and I want to do this to it. We're going to do this to it. Then we're going to end up doing this to it. I'm like, I'm out. I don't want complicated complicated. things. It is not hard to build a real estate portfolio. It's not. I think you better say that again. It's not It's It's really not hard to build a real estate portfolio. It's just, I think another mistake I made in the early part of, I owned a lot of real estate at Temple. We bought too much, too fast. Okay. Too much, too fast. Never works in life, right? Why did you buy too much, too fast? Well, I Ego? wanted to be a multi yeah, yeah, all of it. I wanted to be a multimillionaire. I wanted to get, you know, I didn't want to own three properties. I wanted to own 20 properties okay. with two years. I'm going to buy 15 this year. I'm going to buy 20 this year. Right. And I'm telling you the more, when I really created wealth, is where I got more organized and I slowed down a little bit and let things <laughs> mature. But, you know, this is a mistake. Let me go the five-minute mistakes that Steve has made. Uh, Steve used to own the title company, the construction company. Used to own the property management company. <laughs> I owned all this. Like, I need, I thought I needed to own everything within the development of real estate. Yeah. You know what? I wasn't making any money. I was so diluted with my time and not being able to pay attention to each facet of each company. I mean, that's part of the reason why I think mean, that didn't drive me to be broke, but the other crap did. But, you know, trying to own everything and every piece of the puzzle doesn't work either. I, these guys come in and you're like, I own this and this. And I'm like, all right, so, you know, I'm, I can be an idiot. I'm like, <laughs> all right, so how much money are you making? Yeah, Tell me how much money you're making. Like, He's I get not. it out of them. I like pull the Tony Robbins, I pull it out of their heart. They ain't making shit. Cause they're so diluted instead of concentrating on the one or two things, right? I think that, you know, guys come in, they own real estate, they own this part, they own this, they're in the, the, this. I'm like, it's all bullshit to me, right? Because I think it's hard enough to run one company than run five or six companies. Yes. I believe today, like, I'm going to own an ice cream store, but it's after already after- <laughs> That I want sounds to like an a, ice cream store. That I'm sounds gonna, like a passion. I got a guy be, that wants just to- Just because It's, it's amazing like, ice cream. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is totally blow money. This shit's just- Picture I got a. I'm, we're flying down the Gulf of Mexico and I'm going to throw $100,000 out in the Gulf. But I want some free ice cream. I love ice cream. Ice cream. So, <laughs> Why uh, do know, I think though it might- You know, once you- You the minus touch with ice You cream. know, once you get the money, the cash flow, then you can invest in other things, I believe. That's how it's worked for me. I'm glad that I woke up and- took all those businesses away and I focused on the one or two things that I was good at and we built the companies. Now we have, we do really well. And now I got like, you know, look, I'm serious about what I invest in, but you know, I can throw a hundred over here or 200 over here and not have to worry about it, but it needs to be your core. You need to stay focused.
3: That I think is an enormous lesson that also doesn't sound like it's an enormous lesson, but most people are spreading themselves too thin. They think they have to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. People brag about being a serial entrepreneur or a serial business, which effectively means they're not focused on anything. And that lack of focus is what's stopping them from being able to move ahead. There's always so many things you can do
1: in a given day, yeah.
3: particularly with, if you got family and friends and this and that. I tell you, I got so, focused, many, so
1: many people that I've helped and I've helped train and mentor, and I tell them this shit, You know, and they're the hungry 30 year old and, you know, they come back to me, you know, not even in two years, way sooner than two years. And, uh, you know, got my buddy out in Chicago. I told him not to buy a bar, build real estate. He's flipping, making money, buys a freaking bar. Bar. guess what? That bar didn't do too well. And he's like, oh man, you were right. What the hell did I do buying a bar, man? It was a lot challenging, harder than I thought it was, but, you know, I It's one thing I to sit to, at
3: it and drink, it's another one to you know, manage- You're your gonna mind. get
1: the alphas that are gonna do no matter what I say, but then they come back and I go, well, now I get to being older, man, I'm getting older, I'm 55. Now I get to say, now I'm at the age where I get to say, I told you so, where I didn't listen to shit to other people when they were <laughs> older than me anyway. I wasn't listening <laughs> so, no, to exactly nobody. what
3: it is. Well, is there something then that, it, so if it's always ego-driven, what can you do if you're younger? It's one thing to say, oh, there's yet another older guy telling me to slow down and uh, stay in my lane and to uh, do my thing. But come on, what would you, is there, a, is there an unlock formula? Is there a, something what special they it? could do to get over the ego and start pacing themselves
1: appropriately? Get over the ego and start pacing yourself <laughs> yeah, appropriately. You know, I remember the word balance. <laughs> Everything in life is fair exchange and balance. It's with your relationship with your dog, with your parents, with your kids. You know, it's all fair exchange. And what I mean by fair exchange is, you know, if me and Tom are in business together, you know, if there's not fair exchange and Tom's doing all the work and I'm slacking off, the partnership's not going to work. And that's why partnerships don't fail because you what you're going into and what each roles of each partner is really not spelled out right correctly because that's where the aggravation and the frustration comes when that happens. So
3: I've also seen a lot of partnerships that are the opposite of what you and Carrie have, where Carrie's your balance. She seems to love doing the things that you don't want. You bring in something that, that, that feels that. Too many people find somebody identical to them. It's yeah. like they're looking in the mirror trying to clone themselves and think that's going to create me success. and
1: Carrie Fakes, my wonderful business partner <laughs> of the
3: whole wide world, are not identical. That's for you, Carrie. <laughs> and it's
1: awesome. I mean, there, look, there's nobody, there's nobody more important to me than Carrie Fakes. She was there when I was dead freaking broke in 2012, where I had $2.5 million. When I told her to leave the company because she was the bookkeeper, I didn't want her to go down with her. And she basically said, put on the big boy panties. I'm not leaving you. I believe in you. She believed in me more than I believed in myself. And she goes, we're gonna take one bite out of the elephant. And I'm telling you, Kerry was making $40,000, $50,000 a year. And it was, I don't even know why she did it. I have no idea. She believed in me though. And she was just like, look, we got to create a plan. This is a mess. And we're going to take one bite out of the elephant. She said that phrase so much and I'll stick, I'm going to be dying. I'm going to one bite out of the elephant. (laughs) She's like, we're going to take one bite out of the elephant. And it was hard, man. We would flip a deal. We'd make say 30, 40 grand. And then I'd have to make sure her bills were paid. I had to make sure my bills were paid. I had to make sure the company bills were paid. Because there wasn't a whole lot of money to go around there. Yeah. So it wasn't like I could go, you know, flip a property and go on vacation. And that was, that went on for, you know, look, man, I didn't talk about this, but I get emotional and it was crazy hard. I was it. I had a million dollars of debt and that guy came through and wrote a $1.5 million check <laughs> and it took five years and it took the two guys that still believed in me and came to me and two guys asked me to get into the apartment building world. And you know, this wasn't, you know, a $500,000 deal. And Brian Adams came to me and said, hey, can you do this deal with me? And I put up $5.5 million. And uh, you know, we bought that thing for twenty seven and a half million. and We put 2 million into it. And 12 months later, we sold it for 41 million. And uh, I made $5.5 million. Carrie had her share. We paid back our investors. We got all caught up. Every single penny I owed to investors, I wrote a check, with all their back interest and in everything I owed them. And uh, it changed my life forever. So, and I, you know, when I go back earlier in this interview, I said, always do the right thing when no one's looking, never screw anybody. And it's something I never did. And I think that moment in life was the only reason that happened. And then we just, you know, I'd bought one in chip and five months later we sold another one and then we bought three or four more going back, you know, four and a half, five years. We ended up owning like 13 or 14. I couldn't even believe I'm, you know, I'm buying, you know, the one apartment building we bought, you know, two years ago was 75 million. It's worth 130 million today, but it was brutal. So you got to believe you got to have the right people around you. You got to never give up. It's not as hard as I made it. I guess it is, but it was humbling. But, you know, it's the gratitude. Five minutes, Tom, every single morning, I'm telling you, I never, ever miss a morning of being grateful for Kerry, the people in my life, for what I have, what I live, where I'm going. I believe that I have the greatest life that I could possibly ever. in any. I got lucky. It's part of luck. People go, you're not lucky you worked your ass off. I'm like, bullshit. There's people that work, you know, 40, 50 years and never get what I've been able to achieve. And a big part of it is, you know, you gotta be, it was timing, being in the right place at the right time. But that's, if you're not in the game, you're never gonna be in the right place. You gotta be in the game. You gotta have that never give up attitude that you're gonna get up every single day. And whether, if it's Monday you get up and on Tuesday you sell a property and you make $50,000, you better get up Wednesday and lace up those shoes the same way you laced them up on Tuesday morning when you got that uh, Tuesday afternoon when you got that $100,000 check or $50,000 check, right? It's freaking hard, man. Get in there. But it's easy.
3: <laughs> it's hard, but it's easy. I hard think it's easy. it's simple, but not easy. A yeah, lot of people
1: don't understand the difference. Tell me about your gratitude routine. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I learned this from Tony, part of it. And, uh, and I'm telling you, if you listen to me, this will help. Hopefully improve your life. So every morning I get up, when it's a normal morning, I'm not traveling. When I'm traveling, it's usually more because I have more time in the morning. But it's five minutes of when I get up, I start with, you know gratitude. And it's literally, you know, thank you for letting me be where I live and have this amazing yacht that I live in and live at area, so the Serracge Soda Yacht Club. Every morning, I'm grateful for the people in my life, the Currys, the Virini, the Tony Perry, my guy sold mics, the mics, all these people. And I go through this, I'm I'm just gratitude that I live in, I got to wake up and I'm in in Sarasota. I'm grateful for, just talk about what you're grateful for. Because most of us get stuck on a day-to-day basis of what's wrong in their life, right? And they go, how's this happening to me? And what's this doing to me? But when you pull this, Gratitude out. I'm grateful for Fuqua and Brian Adams and Chip Lever and Jay Scott and all these people. Right, our friendship, and I do that for five minutes every morning. It really gives me this positive energy. But the next five minutes is about this. Is a little deep. This is deep. So it's about where I want to be in five years. What exactly what I'm going to be doing five years from now? And I'm telling you, I started this five years ago. And I think what happens if you you think you're on a day-to-day, in the month, in the year, and I always think out five years and I started doing this. Well, now I'm going to, so was probably four <laughs> years ago I started doing it. Five years ago I started doing it. And I'd say 90% of the things that I was thinking of in those mornings, I have today. Now, part of it was taking my friends to an island and renting a yacht and us going out for dinner. I didn't know I was going to end up owning the yacht and taking my friends out to dinner. But that was part of it. And it has to be very specific. And it's literally, I'm going to show you this because it takes about, it has to be in the beginning, it was kind of like words. And then in the beginning, it was kind of like pictures of a boat, an island, a hundred million dollar apartment building, going to Europe. It was a picture. But then as I did it every morning, I got into like five, six, I could see myself getting on the boat, stepping on the islands, my friends going out to dinner. And we're doing, I just took 25 people. My friends just, I'm telling you, I just took 25 friends. This is two years in a row to the Bahamas on my boats. And they got hotels and we all went out and chased dolphins and had just an amazing time. And uh, what I believe it gets into your subconscious. And when you do it over a long period of time, you feel like you already have what you want five years from now. And look, it can change, but I'm telling you 100%, it works. The gratitude and where you're going to be in five years, because you, and then you got to go, you know, when you start thinking about how you, where you want to be. And it starts to go, you start figuring out how you're going to get there. But I'm telling you, I feel like it gets into your subconscious. And it took me probably nine months to like, feel like I was already getting closer and it all kind of like, it fell into place. So that's my five minutes of gratitude. And then 10 minutes, I mean, I'm sorry, five minutes of where I'm going to be in five years. And, you know, I started with this, I, you know, I got stuck in Sarasota was like, what the hell else could I want in my life? But I'd say about a year and a half ago to two years ago, part of that where I'll be in five years was traveling through Europe and going to Rome and Italy and Turkey and going to Greece and going to Cannes and all these, Milan. And wow, I thought of, I've been thinking about it almost every single morning, you know, prior. Now, guess what, the month of September, (laughs) right? I'm going flying into Milan. We're going to Greece. We're going to Rome. We're going to, we're going to all these. It's like, I'm going to like 15 different countries. Nice. But it got in my subconscious every morning when I was thinking about it. And I really felt like I was already doing it. So when Tony brought up this trip that he wanted to take me on and, uh, you know, Tony Perry's paying for most of the trip. So that's kind of a bonus because I took (laughs) him away to Turks and Caicos years ago. So- you know what, Tony? I'm like, yeah, let's do this. I've been thinking about this for like a year and a half. I want to do it. And we're, we're going to go for the whole month. I'm not telling you what days. Well, I already saw. So just don't come and steal my vote. Okay. <laughs> so, but I think it's really important. I think it's so, Tony Robbins taught me that. And uh, it's pretty cool. You know, can I switch topics just for a little bit? Go for it. One of the problems that I had and one of the big mistakes I made was holding on with properties and holding on to people too long. That's an employee that wasn't doing the right thing. I can't Properties find- Properties
3: and people. I, okay. Oh, everything. Yeah.
1: It's everything in life. Don't hold on yeah. anything that you don't think that is going to work out. Or you, if something's burning you up in your life and, and it's not working out, let it go. I call it the stripper pole. You know, don't make it like you got butter on your hands and you got this stripper pole, yeah. right? I got a stripper pole here. <laughs> you know, that you just well, hold on. You know, a bad property. <laughs> I remember I had like a 16 unit in Philly and it was a shit show, man. It was a mess. It took me two years, but my ego got in the way. I can't fail. I'm Steve Lloyd. I got to get this thing up and running. I ended up selling it, losing $200,000. But you know what? Just the stress that I had with this thing, I was able to let go. I'm telling you, I had friends for 20 or 30 years when I got stuck here. What are you doing? How come you're staying in Siesta Key? I got rid of them. Gone. Don't hold on to things when things aren't working out. It's going to cost you more money if you've got the ego to try to hold on to things. You know, anything in life, I really don't care what it is. If it's not going well for me, if there's a person, if there's a friend, if there's a piece of real estate, don't hold on to that thing too long. If it's not working, get it out of your life. Put good things in your life. If you're in this game for 20, 30 years, you're going to end up getting properties that just aren't going to work out and just, that one cost me a lot of money. <laughs> that one, I wish, you know, Kerry's going, let this thing go. No. I can make this work Well no, you know, the hundred different idea that I had that didn't work. And then I finally surrendered. I'm like, oh, I call that. I'm a, a
3: loser. You were Yosemite right? salmon. Remember Yosemite yeah, Sam? Yeah. I but, said, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it. I didn't do it. I got <laughs> a bunch of properties. <laughs> no, Let them go and move away. on.
1: Awesome. Let them go and move on. You know, there's nothing, Tom, you know, this, the greatest thing about the United States is where this country is made up of entrepreneurs. And uh, there is no easy road to this, but I always leave my post, my best life, our best up, our best life. And I put, you know, never, ever give up ever. You know, I'm still challenging myself. I would still want to do charities and improve and create cash flow for charities, for people that need me and Kerry do a lot of it. We're going to do more this year and keep growing these, helping these foundations and uh, just never, ever give up ever. Nice. Steve Lloyd, totally awesome. Thank you. Thanks, buddy.
2: Thanks for listening. Your next step is to visit tomzeeb.com. There you'll find full show notes for this episode and all past episodes. Make sure you download a free copy of The Deal Flow Maximizer. This free resource will show you the five key marketing elements to get your first five deals. And if you're enjoying this content, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and a review. We'll be sure to read those out on future episodes.